Welcome to the RPG Radio Show. On this show, a group of actors will shape an epic fantasy tale. Each chapter, every interaction, and every combat is improvised. The success or failure of those interactions and combats are determined by dice and the rules of Dungeons and Dragons. Don't worry, you don't need to know any of those rules to enjoy the show. Just know that each character has a specific set of abilities, strengths, weaknesses, and in some cases, powers. Occasionally, I will ask the players to make ability checks, attack rolls, or saving throws. Their abilities, combined with the dice they roll, determine their success or failure in each instance. But enough with the rules. Let's get on with the story. The year is 1147, in the light of Hyksnos. Hyksnos is the goddess of justice and light. It's been more than a millennia since the Eclipse War and the formation of the Empire under the High Beacon, Hyksnos's chosen champion and the supreme ruler in Sildun. There is peace, but it is tenuous. A power long thought banished grows in the shadows. Unbalance and chaos seek to find stasis. I know how our story starts, but only the characters can decide how it ends. Their words and actions will alter the fate of Sildum. I am your host, Daniel Storm, and this is the RPG Radio Show. I'm Zach McCann, and I play Gavin Rittler. I'm Andy Kanis, and I play Jacob Elias. I'm Luke Hatmaker, and I play Maze Tunnock. And now, the prologue, and a brief introduction to our characters. May sat in the common room of the chubby bard tavern, back to a rough stone wall. He ate a hearty quail stew with sage and red potatoes. His hands ached and several new blisters formed on his massive palms. Swinging an axe wasn't quite like swinging a sword. The grip was different. He had chopped wood for an hour in exchange for a hot meal and a place in the hayloft for the night. Mays would normally have sought shelter in the local temple, but the reason he couldn't stay there tonight was the same reason the tavern was packed. The local priest had been murdered by a group of bandits that had been terrorizing travelers on the Beacon's Road for more than a ten-day now. From the talk Maze overheard, the town had formed a militia to protect themselves, but half of them were slain in an attempt to return an amulet that belonged to the holy man, and the other half had retreated in defeat. Of course they did, Maze thought to himself, feeling no ill will toward the farmers turned fighters. These men were no more equipped to fight off a group of bandits than Maze was to sow and tend a field. Two performers, for lack of a better term, attempted to entertain the agitated crowd. One juggled passably as the other played a flute. The instrument held Maze's attention for a moment before it was wrenched away by the juggler. What are you doing here all on your lonesome, big fella? You get a song for that, don't we, Jacob? The lonesome lad, the lovely lass? As Jacob... A half-elf struck up the tune. May spoke out for the first time since thanking the serving girl for his meal. I try my best to abstain from listening to such bawdy tunes. If you know any songs that praise Our Lady Hicksnos, perhaps the soldier's hymn, I would be much obliged. The soldier's hymn? The juggler said incredulously. This isn't a funeral, man. We're trying to entertain people, not depress them. Shaking his head, the boy moved on. We must send word to Ban Kuldir for aid. 
a thin woman with graying hair said to Maze's left. The crowd murmured in agreement as they made plans to send a group of riders on a longer but safer route to the Dwarven stronghold. Mays feared that the delay of soldiers from Bon Kuldir would put all the inhabitants of this town and those passing on the road in danger of attack. These were Hyksnos' children, too. He didn't know what awaited him when he got to where he was going, but he was sure that Hyksnos had guided him through this town for a reason. He had fought bandits before. It was what he did. He was a tummock. At dawn, then, he would see Hyksnos' justice done. Jacob just realized that he had played the chorus of The Lonesome Lad twice through. He couldn't focus. He had played enough taverns to know that his attempt to entertain this crowd was a losing battle. They certainly didn't notice his mistake. They were in mourning. They were afraid. They paid no attention to the traveling and, frankly, dashing half-elf crooning tunes in their tavern. Some local priest or other had been killed by bandits on the Beacon's Highway just south of here. This wasn't the time for bawdy tavern songs or knife tricks. This crowd needed a storyteller. Old Dale would have known a tale to tell them, a tale with all the answers. This room would be fixated on his every word and gesture. They would laugh when he wanted them to, cry when he wanted them to, and for a few moments they would forget their troubles. But Dale wasn't here. Ever since the kids stole that dagger, if Jacob was right about who that dagger belonged to, they needed to quietly make their way out of this region and never be seen here again. Jacob and Gavin have been moving from small town tavern to smaller town tavern, changing their names at every stop. The unfortunate thing about changing your name between towns is that bards trade on their names. The name Jacob Elias might not be as well known as Harold Hornblower, but he was known well enough in this region to at least command a free room, at least three gold pieces, and a hot meal before he played. Now, getting ever more creative with their old troop's stage makeup kit, he and Gavin disguised themselves the best they could as they made their way south. Sighing, Jacob called Gavin over and murmured for him to swipe a couple ales off the drunkest patrons and meet him in the stables. Jacob and Gavin had barely performed for an hour, but Jacob recognized this tavern as a lost cause. Gavin hadn't collected even a single copper from the somber crowd. So it was up to Jacob to convince the tavern keeper to, at the very least, let them stay in the hayloft. Time to straighten his purple cloak, smooth the fake beard, and work some magic. They would head south in the morning. Bandits or not, they had to get out of this region. There were things brewing here that Jacob wanted no part of. Besides... Everyone knew it was bad luck to attack a performer. Gavin was sick and tired of twirling these knives in the air for these small-town bumpkins. He juggled, did a few flips off the tables, and even sung a quiet harmony to some of Jacob's songs. No one applauded. No one shouted out song requests. He didn't know what would entertain these people. 
he couldn't score a few coin from this crowd, he knew he and Jacob would be sleeping rough. He hadn't slept in a bed in weeks. Still, the folks in Wild Spring had good reason to sulk. Losing someone in a town this small is hard, especially if it's violent, even if it's a priest. Jacob was right. These people didn't need entertainers. They needed some damn haze caps so they could go numb to this for a little while. There was a large fella seated with his back to the wall. The man sat separate from the rest of the crowd. He wore a tabard with an elaborate sun sewn on the chest. It looked like a raiment of the priest, but it was ripped and ragged. He stared blankly to the bottom of his bowl of stew. This man's pain was different from the rest of the crowd's. This man's sorrow seemed a constant companion. Gavin knew that feeling. He had felt the way this man looked. Old Dale always said to feel the mood of the room. He said the right song or story or joke could change everything. But Old Dale wasn't here, and the soldier's hymn certainly wasn't the right way to lift anyone's mood. And the only way Gavin knew to chase away those feelings was a mug of ale. Well, a few mugs of ale. Right, drinks. It wouldn't be too hard. These people were barely paying attention to him when he was trying to entertain them. Gavin flipped his favorite dagger between his fingers and around the back of his hand, scanning the room. He noticed two women take each other in a comforting embrace. As deft as he was with the knife trick, Gavin slid a hand through the handles of the two unwatched ale mugs and lifted them off the table. He moved quickly into the shadows and out through the back exit. He waited for several minutes, listening for any commotion caused by the missing drinks. When he didn't hear anything, he made his way to the stables. Gavin climbed the rough-hewn ladder that led up to the hayloft above the stables. As he pulled his head up over the top rung, he noticed that someone was already up there. The hulking man from the tavern slept sprawled on his back in the corner, snoring soundly. He must have been short on coin, too. Gavin heard Jacob's shuffling steps as he ascended the ladder. Noticing their stablemate, Jacob nodded questioningly in the direction of the slumbering figure. Gavin shrugged and took several generous gulps of ale, still trying to banish unwanted memories. Pace yourself, Gav, Jacob said under his breath. We're headed out at first light. Hopefully we can slip past those bandits without any trouble. It's not like we have much worth stealing. Besides, everyone knows it's bad luck to attack a performer. He added, drifting off to sleep. He hadn't even touched his ale. Gavin gratefully quaffed it down as he stared at the dagger in his hand. He could have sworn the gem at the pommel held a faint glow, but maybe it was just a trick of the light. Who knew such a small thing could have caused... He didn't want to think about that. As the ale made its way into his stomach, he could feel its warmth spreading out to the rest of his limbs. His thoughts grew foggy, and he was finally able to drift off to sleep. Maze crouched behind the trunk of a fallen tree, back pressed to the bark. The first rays of Hyksnos's light were just starting to creep over the horizon, but he had been hunting for hours now. His entire life at the outpost had prepared him for this. Stilling his heart and mind, he listened for sounds of movement from the camp, but all seemed still. There was a strong stench of wine, and Maze had seen what he thought to be an overturned barrel of the stuff as he approached. In drunkenness lies danger, but Toon becomes a friend, not a stranger. Maze chanted the scripture under his breath. He would send these dogs to meet Batoon soon enough. Maze vaulted over the trunk he was crouched behind, charging forward. His blade sang as he swept it in a wide arc, burying it deep in the trunk of a tree, severing the head of the man resting propped against it. 
The resounding thunk was enough to stir the rest. Mays felled two more deep gashes across their backs as they rose from their bedrolls. Four more men, Mays thought, whispering a prayer for strength to his lady Hyksnos. He had never fought this many by himself, but if his purpose was true and his faith was strong enough, she would protect him through this. She had protected him through far worse. Gavin woke to weak morning light and the sounds of Jacob gathering his belongings. Gavin sat up, head hammering, and took in his surroundings. The big man was gone. The only trace of him was a depression in the pile of hay he had slept in. Gavin and Jacob made their way to the Beacon's Highway, quickly leaving behind Wild Spring, which was just starting to stir. They walked for about an hour in silence when four figures burst out of the underbrush and onto the road. Gavin recognized one of them almost instantly. It was the sorrowful man from the tavern. He was caked in blood and had scores of open wounds. Gavin wasn't sure how much of that blood was his, but the man was still up and fighting, if only barely. These must be the bandits that were plaguing Wild Spring, and they must have ambushed this man as he headed south. Gavin didn't know why, but he felt a connection to the man, and he couldn't just stand around and watch him get cut to pieces. Without even waiting for Jacob's reaction, Gavin sprung into the action, sprinting towards the fight. Bloodied and staggering, May stumbled out to the main road, the Beacon's Highway. He had pursued the last three bandits who fled rather than face Hyksnos' justice. He caught up to them on the main road. One of them still held a golden sun amulet that dangled from a long gold chain, a holy symbol stolen from the slain priest. Mays would not let them escape with it. Chapter One, Friends in Need. Maze and three bandits crash out of the woods and onto the Beacon's Highway, a wide, perfectly paved slab of conjured stone. Maze, as you stumble out of the woods, bloodied uh, near death, your hit points are at 18, and a bandit swings first at Maze. That is an 18 to hit. That will hit. So the first bandit swings with a thick-bladed sword and catches you for five points of damage. That's halved because you're a raging barbarian. So that's two points of damage. Next up is your turn. Okay, I'm going to grab one of my wounds on my side, just trying to stop some of the blood from pouring out. And once I grab it, I'm gonna swing around, attacking the bandit directly behind me in a wide swipe. Sure. That is a 11 to hit. 11, unfortunately, does not hit. So you swing wide and miss as the, bandits, uh, the bandit ducks under your swinging sword. Another one of the bandits behind you takes a swing, and that's a 13 to hit. Does not hit. So he swings wide and misses. Another bandit that's encircled you swings as well, and that's a 20 to hit, unnatural. That will hit. Okay. He does seven points of slashing damage, halved, uh, because you're a raging barbarian, so that'll be three points of slashing damage. Um, and then next up is the top of the round, where that first bandit will swing again at you. And that's a 16 to hit. That also hits. As they continue to cut into you, you take, that's going to be six points of slashing damage, halved, to three, as another one of the bandits lands a blow on you. 
You're staggering, you can barely stand upright, but it's your turn. What do you do? I'm going to swing at the one that just made contact with me um, in an upward stance, just trying desperately to hit anything, um, getting attacked from all sides. That is a 10. Unfortunately, that does not hit. Sluggish because of all of the wounds that you've taken, you continue to swing wide as these bandits start to taunt you. Um, They're not doing that well themselves, but um, they can tell that they've got this fight won. Two more of the bandits will attack, and that's a 15 and a 9 to hit. The 15 will hit. 15 hits. And you take 9 points of slashing damage, reduced to 4 because you're raging, as one of the blades catches you in the side. Next up, we go to the top of the round with the... Uh, one who seems to be the leader of these bandits. He's holding the amulet, the thing that you've come after. He's going to take another swing at you, and that's a 19 to hit. That does hit. You take seven points of slashing damage, reduced to three, because you're raging. As the blade catches you in the thigh, it's your turn. Uh, Seeing the amulet in that bandit's hand, I'm going to kind of bum-rush him and just, with all the strength I have left in me, trying to do a straight stab. Sure. That is a 25. 25 does hit. Go ahead and roll for damage. 14. 14. You slice deeply into the bandit's chest as you manage to land a heavy two-handed blow. Taking advantage of your back being turned, the other two bandits swing wildly at you. Uh, That's a 21 and an 18 to hit. Both hit. You're going to take... 11 points total of slashing damage are reduced to 5 as both of them rain down blows into you. A drop. These two last blows being too much for you, you sink to your knees as the bandits gloat over your body. You hear someone shout and lose consciousness. And Gavin and Jacob, I need you to roll for initiative. Six? <laughs> Six total for both of us. So... The bandits, uh, hearing Gavin's shout, the bandits are going to turn and uh, see the two of you sprinting up to meet them and are going to kind of ready themselves and reposition around Maze's body. We'll see you guys are 50 feet from the bandits. All three of them are going to pull out bows and attack you as well. Uh, They pull out short bows. One of them who's uh, holding, you can see, a large sun amulet kind of stows that away as he pulls his bow out. Um, He's going to take a shot at Gavin, and that is going to be a 14 to hit. That will not hit. That does not hit. Okay, so the 14 misses as an arrow whizzes past you as you're sprinting towards these three bandits. The next two bandits are going to take attacks as well. Um, One of them at Jacob and the other at Gavin. The first one at Jacob is a 14 to hit. That does not hit. Okay, the last bandit does hit with a natural 20, uh, making its total 25. And you are going to take 15 points of piercing damage as uh, an arrow shaft sinks deep into your shoulder. Next up, we've got Gavin. Going to uh, close in on the bandits. Sure. Uh, Your movement is 30 feet, so uh, that'll be six squares. Gavin will go ahead and use his extra action to try and close the distance even closer. Sure. Use the bonus action to dash. You're definitely in close face-to-face with one of the bandits. Gavin will try and slash at the bandit that's near him. One. (laughs) Okay. Uh, You slash, and your slash goes wild missing the bandit by several feet actually as it kind of he kind of dances back and chuckles at you uh next up is jacob jacob begins by using a bonus action to uh give words of inspiration to gavin giving him a charge of combat inspiration sure 
Is that a D6 or D8? A D6 that you get to use on a skill check, attack roll, or saving throw. After that, uh, what condition are each of these bandits in? Uh, they're looking, they've all got some pretty serious wounds as well. It looks like the, uh, the man who fell uh, managed to get in a couple blows on them as well. Whichever is in the worst condition, Jacob is going to take a shot at with his longbow. Sure, the bandit is standing in the middle of the road between the other two. Looks to be uh, the worst for wear. Perfect. That is a uh, unnatural 20. That most definitely hits. Go ahead and roll for damage. Eight damage. So as you draw back on your longbow, sighting the distance, you release the shaft and it sinks deeply into this man's side and he falls to his knees and over onto the ground, not moving. The other two bandits are going to take shots. Uh, sorry, one of them is going to swing at Gavin, who is closed in on him. And that's an 18 to hit. Does it? Okay. You take six points of slashing damage as you overstepped your guard, swinging with the knife before, and he cuts into you. Uh, next up, Bandit's going to take a shot at you, Jacob, and that is a 16 to hit. That will hit. Okay. And you take seven points of piercing damage as an arrow stabs into your leg. <laughs> next up, we've got Gavin. Gavin's going to use his bonus action to hide in the brush nearby. Sure. Yeah, go ahead and make a stealth check to see if you've hidden successfully natural 20 that'll most certainly work so you dive into the underbrush and the bandit who was attacking you has completely lost sight of you unsheathing drinker gavin will try and make a sneak attack on the on the bandit that's nearest him okay sure and i'll use the uh words of inspiration to help the attack roll uh also because you're hidden you get advantage on this one 17 and 15 the 17 hits go ahead and roll for damage and that's sneak attacks, you get all your D6s. 20. Uh, that's more than enough. And as you lunge out of the shadows and sink your dagger deeply into the back of this man's skull as he's swinging his head around and looking for you, you feel it sink deep, deep into the brain matter. As you pull it out squelchily, he falls down to the ground. There's one last bandit ahead of you. Uh, he's going to scream wildly and run at you and swing, and that's a 14 to hit. Misses. That misses, uh, so that'll get us back up to your turn, Jacob. Jacob will say to the final bandit, this is your last chance to give up, and then we'll fire his longbow at that bandit. Okay. Go ahead and make your attack roll. Mid-sentence. <laughs> 18 to hit. 18 most definitely hits. Go ahead and roll for damage. 11 points. As your arrow sinks into him, he seems to be halfway through saying, I surrender! Oh, sorry, it slipped. Didn't give him much of a chance now, did you? And his voice gurgles out as your arrow shaft sticks out of his neck and he falls down unconscious. You take a few moments to scan the scene, drinking it all in, trying to figure out what's going on here. And it seems fairly certain that these were the bandits that had been attacking the town and that this man had single-handedly tried to take them on, or perhaps they attacked him as he was passing. Jacob will immediately go tend to the uh, injured man in the road, and, uh, Gavin, why don't you be a peach and uh, search these fine gentlemen? Of course, of course. 
Gavin will immediately start rifling through the pockets of the fallen bandits, looking for trinkets, money, sure. anything he can Make find. an investigation check for me. Nine. Nine. Okay. Uh, so you spend a few minutes searching through all the pockets of the bandits, um, and you find stashed in one of the pockets that sun amulet. Um, that one of the bandits seemed to be holding and that you heard the uh, townsfolk talking about missing last night at the tavern. Um, You also find a few coins, five silver, 16 copper, and three gold. Jacob, what is it that you're doing to try to revive uh, the fallen man? As Jacob approaches the uh, injured warrior in the street, he kneels down over him, inspecting any areas of particularly bad wounds, um, and says, and he uh, seems to be nearly covered in them. Um, you see deep gashes kind of across his chest, exposed flesh on his arms. You can almost see down to the bone. Some of the cuts are so deep. You're amazed that he was standing as long as he was. Jacob will cast cure wounds on him using a higher level slot to get an extra D eight. Sure. Healing him for 17 points. Sure. So you take a deep breath and, Uh, pull out the flute that you play and perform with most often and start playing a song of healing, infusing it with magic. And you can see some of the wounds on this man close and stitch and you see a spark of life return to his dead, vacant eyes. Maze, you look up and hear a faint music But behind the figure who's standing in front of the sun, you can see a larger figure that's burning and shining almost as brilliantly as the sun itself. And then you fall immediately unconscious. Jacob, it seems as though this man is stable, although he hasn't regained consciousness. Gavin, you've finished rummaging through the pockets of all the bandits and think you've collected everything you can. You're not sure if it's safe here. Gavin, uh, why don't we uh, escort our handsome friend here uh, off into the the forest uh, for a moment and uh, try to find some shelter so that he may rest? Have you looked at the size of this fella? Oh, yes, I thought you'd carry him. Oh, all by my lonesome. Yes. Well, I've hauled your drunken behind more than one time, so I suppose I should be able to grab an arm, you fool. Oh, Oh, well, okay, I suppose this time I can help. Gavin and Jacob both grab uh, arms of this large hulking figure and drag him off the road, crashing through the underbrush just at the side. You go about 30 feet and find a decent-sized clearing um, near a forest pond, a small forest pond. Do Do you think this would probably be a good place to make camp for the night? There's enough flat ground to have a fire and a fresh source of water nearby. Gavin, be a peach and set up camp while I tend to this man's wounds. And uh, after that, why don't you come see me as well? You seem to have uh, been roughed up by those lads a bit. Can we ease off on the fruit metaphors? Good Lord. All right. Gavin immediately starts unpacking everything and begins to set up camp for the night, setting out three different bedrolls and also making sure that they have food out, just little snacks and everything to be able to nourish themselves before getting his wounds tended to as well by Jacob. 
Sure. So Jacob, while Gavin is uh, still kind of moving about, you look over this man that you've dragged, pick out a few of the thorns that he's accumulated as you drug him through the underbrush, um, and start to bind some of his uh, his deeper wounds, um, wrapping them in bandages, um, knowing that uh, you might need to pour a little more healing magic into him later. Um, Gavin, you get a small fire started, um, and you both spend the rest of the day kind of tending to that fire, setting up a comfortable camp for yourselves, and uh, every now and then checking to make sure that the large man hasn't died in his sleep. As Jacob is tending to uh, the man's wounds and uh, removing said thorns and setting up camp, uh, tending to the fire, uh, does this man have anything identifiable on him? Sure, make Where an investigation come check. from? Six. Through all of the blood, it's kind of tough to find too much on him. He has five copper pieces, six silver, and you find a very fine amulet on a thin golden chain, uh, much like the one uh, that, uh, much like the one that you found the bandits carrying. This amulet um, appears to be. Uh, a relic of the church. Um, the church of Hyksnos? The church of Hyksnos, yes. Uh, this this appears to be a relic of the church of Hyksnos, and um, this one appears to be even a bit finer than the one you found on the bandits, uh, this one having a large ruby uh, inset into the middle of it. Jacob, I found an amulet just like that on one of the bandits back there. This is worth more than your weight in star silver. Oh, really? Well, I suppose we shall leave uh, this man's amulet to him, but God knows what will happen to the uh, silver and copper in his left pocket. (laughs) Well, I mean, every doctor takes a fee, right? Yes, I'm told. Uh, So, this amulet you found... Right, yeah, absolutely. Gavin pulls the amulet out that he found from the bandits and shows it to Jacob, letting him inspect it. Jacob uh, turns the amulet over, looking for any kind of inscription, uh, quality of the chain that it's attached to, anything, sure. anything identified. Make your investigation check. 16. 16. Um, and this is the amulet you got off the bandits, correct? Correct. Yes. Uh, so it's a finely carved um, sun amulet. Uh, and the kind of center, the center of the sun, uh, there's a woman's face. Uh, a beautiful woman's face um, that's taking up the center of the sun of this amulet. Make an arcana check as you examine it as well, because you're a magic user. Eleven. Eleven. You can tell that there's a faint aura of magic coming off of it, uh, coming off of this amulet, which, again, you know compounds its value. Um, So you, you recognize this as a very valuable piece of jewelry not just for its magical properties, but also for its significance to the people that it was taken from. They seemed very upset uh, that this symbol had been stolen. As Jacob realizes the importance of this object uh, and begins to cast Identify on it, which takes a minute and will know all the properties, he uh, thinks back on the early years of his life when similar objects were equally important to him. So as you cast this spell, um, kind of pouring over every inch of this, um, so this, uh, this appears to have been enchanted 
um, and has some sort of shielding spell on it. It has one charge of a shielding spell on it. Um, so you believe that anyone who is wearing or attuned to this item would be able to cast the shield spell um, and protect themselves uh, potentially. Uh, you can tell that this was probably made uh, probably in Bon Coulier, uh by one of the ma- master craftsmen there. Um, you know that most of the items produced for the church are forged and made in Bon Coulier. Yeah, it's a finely made amulet. Uh, this looks quite expensive, and knowing that it has a, a magic spell attached to it, especially one of protection, um, makes it that much more valuable. Gavin, my boy, uh, this seems to be uh, quite uh, a pricey item we've found. Do you know of any uh, shops on the way to our next destination that might uh, purchase it? I mean, I'm sure there's a few around who would be interested in taking it, but honestly, I mean... What, what is it? Like, what do you think it is? Well, it's a religious uh, item of uh, Hicksnose. Um, I don't suppose this man was trying to get it back, do you? Well, considering he's wearing an amulet that's similar to it, I would venture to say that he probably was, Jacob. Yes, but he already has one. Oh, and uh, I know with me and you, I mean, certainly when I only have one mug of ale, I don't need another. I've already had one, right? Well, that's true. Look, Jacob... These types of things, they don't just fall out of the sky, do they? Well, I don't know. Do you think this is going to draw a lot of unwanted attention to us if we're selling this sort of thing around? Is this something that people might remember if we're just hawking out these random religious artifacts? I mean, Batuan's taint. Use your brain. Maze, you overhear this last sentence. Um... You hear them describing potentially selling this amulet off. You scramble for a moment, feeling at your own chest. But your amulet is there, although your tunic has been pulled back. And it seems as though it's been seen. What do you do? Do I have my sword near me, or did they take it off? You do have your sword. I am going to use it to kind of push myself up. I don't want to startle them too much. So I'll kind of use it and use it as almost like a cane to push myself up to my feet, try to sit up the best that I can. Sure. So Maze uh, appears to be, this large man uh, appears to be getting up. Hicksnose be praised, Jacob says, knowing that he's a man of Hicksnose. Easy there, big fella. What happened to the bandits? Oh, they're quite dead. Was one of you fellers the one of the... Who healed me? That would be me, my handsome friend. I'm going to drop down to one knee and grab his forearm and say, I saw Hicksnos when you brought me back. I just want to say thank you for, for helping me. And Hicksnos appears to be with you, so... Jacob feeling the strength of this man's grip on his forearm, says, No, don't mention a thing about it. Uh, please, no, really, it's, it's all right. Uh, we've recovered uh, this item from one of the bandits, and uh, we're discussing returning it uh, to the church, perhaps? Do I see the amulet? You do. Who, which one of them has it? Gavin's holding it. That's what I was planning on doing with it. Perfect. We had no other intentions. 
Well, being a man of faith that I think that you are, I'm glad to know that you were had the same mindset that I had. Returning. Yeah, man of faith, absolutely. Uh, what, what's your name, friend? Uh, Maze Tumic. Maze, hi. I'm Gavin. Nice to meet you. And this is my friend Jacob. Gavin, you said? Yes, yes, that's my name. And Jacob Elias at your service. Um, what were y'all doing on the road? We're... Well, we had recently played a show at the uh, local tap. My... No. Well, you... I do recognize you now that you're less bloody. Uh, you were at that tavern last night, weren't you? Jeez, you share a hayloft with a guy and you think uh, maybe he remembers something. That was... Y'all were the two that were there when I got up and left that morning? Right. That was us. Well, it does seem like Hicks knows my to put us on this path together. Um... I'd be honored if y'all would help me take this amulet back to those fine folks in that town and... Could I ask a question about it? I, um... What exactly happened with this amulet? Did the bandits steal it? What happened there? Uh, they murdered the holy man of Hicksnos at that town. I believe that's why the town was in an uproar. Everybody seemed pretty up in arms about it. I know that they had formed some type of local group, militia, tried to go get it, but the bandits sought to that. Honest question. Do you think it's going to look good if we come back holding this amulet? I don't see why not. Are we putting ourselves in any danger of maybe some misunderstanding, that sort of thing? I don't see why they would think a fellow men of faith like us would want to kill the priest and... Maze, you seem like a genuinely, uh good guy for a big fella, and uh, you seem awfully naive, I'm not going to lie. There's this thing that people do, it's called lying, and uh, Yes, we wouldn't know anything about it, but apparently this lying thing is a a most malicious thing. Uh, But, I do like the idea of returning the necklace, uh, amulet, and uh, perhaps you could accompany us as we saved your life. Uh, out of utmost faith for a fellow man of faith. I see Hicksnos in you, Jacob, and I feel like I owe you a life debt because you did save my life, both of you. You you got it. Hicksnos be praised. It seems that we have an alliance from here forward. And uh, Jacob will uh, continue to tend to Maze's wounds as well as Gavin's. Sure. Uh, we'll say that throughout this day, Maze has rested enough uh, to take a long rest. Uh, the two of you have rested long enough to take a short rest, if that if that does anything for you. You spend the rest of the evening chatting quietly around the fire, and you start talking about uh, where you were headed before all this happened. Yes, uh, my uh, apprentice, Gavin... <laughs> and I were uh, heading south, to be honest. We've stumbled across, as you seem like a trustworthy man, uh, we've stumbled across some trouble in our recent adventures. What kind of trouble? Well, we were uh, ambushed by a, a most unsavory group, um, 
and forced to defend ourselves, slew one of the members and took, uh, uh, acquired a dagger from him. Gavin's eyes get darker when the dagger is mentioned and he seems noticeably cagey as Jacob's explaining what's going on. Maze is not going to... I really feel like what he's telling me is very honest. I'm going to be hanging on every word that Jacob is telling me, almost like a kid hearing a story. And when he says that last bit about how it seems like they might be in trouble, um, Maze will stand up and he'll say, um, I'm heading southeast myself. Oh, it seems we have a, a, a mutual road to share. Perhaps you would like to join us. Yeah, I mean, the more the more hands, the more weapons we can have on this, the better. Agreed. Those bandits were no, they are no joke. Where, uh, where is your destination? Um, I'm heading as far east as I can go. Oh, any particular reason? Well, it's a bit of a, bit of a long, sad tale, but I was told to go to the place where the sun always rises, then go to the place where the sun never sets. Quite cryptic. That's what I thought. Was there a specific destination y'all had in mind, or y'all just south? Wherever our feet take us. Uh, Why don't we uh, rest for the evening, and uh, in the the morning, uh, return to town, and return uh, the amulet. I think that's a fine idea. Perhaps after that we can make our way south and then southeast. Do y'all, um, do y'all mind me asking, um, when y'all acquired that dagger, was it bandits like this? Was it a... I'm just trying to prepare what, we might, what I might need to ready for if they're following y'all or anything and y'all need any... In all honesty, Maze, and I tell you this uh, as a a fellow man of faith, uh, it was the Grey Dawn, I'm afraid. And so that's who's you're worried might be after you? Yes, quite a predicament. Well, they're no friends of the Empire, so you can count on me. I'm happy to hear it. So with that, uh, you spend... The rest of the afternoon and evening as the sun sets, uh, making yourself as comfortable as possible. Maze, you continue to rest, uh, tending to some of your wounds, which, thanks to the ministrations of Jacob, uh, have healed quite well. What time of day is it? Uh, it's it's dusk. The sun has just set. Before the sun set, um, even though I'm not 100% strength-wise, once I see the sun start to set, I want to set up my bedroll and take my sword and the entire time the sun is setting, I want to hold my blade up to the sun, almost in honor of the Jacob. light that it gives us. Jacob. So the entire time. Jacob, what is he doing? Jacob recognizing the, uh, the ritual of uh, uh, giving tribute to Hyksnos says, he's praying, and taking out his flute begins playing hymns of the Church of Hyksnos that he recalls. Jacob, Jacob, what Gavin? Why? I don't know. Okay. 
Jacob continues to play more and more of the hymns into the evening once the sun has set as well. Sure. Uh-huh. Not being used to that. Maze hums along to them as well, just kind yeah. of under his breath. It's nice. He's not used to having... Normally it's silent when he prays, and so this is a nice change for him. And so this is the calmest he's felt in a while. Jacob. Jacob. What, Gavin? Do you think he's almost done? Yes, the sun has set. He's already sitting. Go to bed. Jacob. Good night. Good night, Gavin. Before Maze lays down, he's also going to pull some candles out of his pack and kind of light them near his bedroll before he too lays sure. down. Uh, so Maze, you see Maze take two long straight candles and jab them into the ground uh, near where his head is going to lay when he sleeps. And he lights the two of them off of the fire, which is kind of dwindling and burning down. Is anyone going to set a watch? Jacob. Waking Gavin. It, with incredible apprehension <laughs> to set up a watch. <clears throat> no. Gavin, get up. <laughs> what? What? what, what uh, you yes, want? okay, all right. Is he have candles out while he's trying to sleep? What yes, is wrong once with again, Hicks knows. Gavin, why don't you take first watch? I need to recover some of my uh, magic, uh, and I will take second watch. It's already a bit late. We will split it up into two shifts so that our uh, quite injured friend may recuperate. Fine. Go to sleep. Sweet dreams. Flutie boy, go. Gavin, good night. Gavin, you're sitting by yourself back to the fire, knowing that um, the light from it could uh, harm your night vision. You've spent enough nights out on the road to know that. You're idly flicking one of your knives over the back of your hand and around, twirling it through your fingers. The whole time, keeping your ears and your eyes peeled for any sort of movement or shifting in the undergrowth. Make a perception check. Fifteen. Fifteen. Uh, so you can hear very clearly a loud, guttural howl in the distance, not too far from the camp. In fact, it's loud enough that it rouses your two companions before you can even say anything about it. Jacob Mays. <clears throat> what was that? Weapons ready. The whole forest around you goes quiet for a moment, which is somewhat strange because this is the singing wood known for its insects and birds to incessantly chirp and sing. I would like to ready a rage. Ready it for what? Um, just in case some... It's the dark. Some big beast were to come charging. Yeah, just in case. Just in case. Yeah, okay. Jacob, uh, uh, not sure from being uh, awoken so rudely, uh, asks Gavin, uh, where did that come from? What was it? In the woods, loud howl. Obviously, everything's quiet now. Was it's it to clo- our it's no- close. north or? Is it still quiet? It was from deeper into the woods. Uh, So the road kind of runs north to south. You've pulled Maze off to the west side of it, and and the sound came from further west. Uh, Jacob will take several steps towards the road, uh, readying his longbow. Uh, Gavin, hide yourself. 
and call out. Hello? Anyone there? As you do so, uh, you can hear an animal, a large creature, start to lumber and then pick up speed and charge in your direction. And all of a sudden, bursting through the underbrush, a massive creature whose shoulders are as high as mazes tall. It's got a long serpentine neck that ends in the scaly head of a dog. Sharp spines protrude from the whole body and run down the length of a whip-like tail. The creature stands before you like nothing you've ever seen before, a nightmare, snarling, snapping, and I need everyone to roll for initiative. Jacob rolled a uh, 17 for initiative. 21. Phase is a 15. The monster bursts into the clearing just on the other side of this small pond. You can see it by the light of the dying fire uh, as it stalks around. Gavin, you're first. Seeing the nightmarish creature and not wanting to give away his position, Gavin immediately pulls out one of his spare daggers, takes aim at the nightmare, and throws with all his might. Sure. Go ahead and make your attack roll with advantage because you're hidden here. And it's like 22. 22. 22 hits. Now, when you do throw the dagger, you do reveal your position uh, to the nightmare, but uh, you do get your sneak attack damage as well. 20. 20 points of damage, sure. Uh, So as you pop out of your hiding spot from behind a tree, uh, you throw a dagger and it catches deep uh, into the shoulder of this monster and it screeches and howls out at you um, and rips the dagger out with its teeth before spitting it out into the pond. Using his bonus action, Gavin will try and hide back in the brush. Sure, go ahead and make your stealth check. 19. You feel fairly confident that you're hidden, but you're not entirely sure. Next up, we've got Jacob. Jacob will begin by uh, using the familiar words of wisdom and uh, 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 rally for uh, Maze to provide him with a combat inspiration charge. Maze, hold fast. Fear not, Hyksnos is with us. Indeed she is, brother. Uh, after uh, his words of inspiration, Jacob will fire his longbow, uh, aiming for this dog head at the end of this serpentine neck. Sure. Go ahead and make your attack roll. 16. 16 hits. Roll damage. 5. Five points of damage. Sure, uh, you you draw your longbow um, and you manage to uh, glance an arrow off of this thing's scaly head, seeming to chip away some of the scales. You can see a dark purplish blood oozing from out out of from underneath its eye, uh, where your arrow passed. Jacob will use the rest of his turn to move slightly closer to the road. What is the distance from this uh, this beast right now? Uh, the distance from the beast, you are like 30 uh, about, yeah, about 30 to 40 feet. With a pond between us. Mm-hmm. Um, Jacob will move another 20, uh, approximately towards the, uh, the road. Sure. Uh, so you, you head further into the road, deeper into cover, um, moving behind Maze as you do so. Maze, you're the next up. Maze is going to use his bonus action to go into the rage that he had ready. Um, then I'm going to charge toward the creature um, closing the distance and with the serrated side of my greatsword, Maze is going to take a swing right at the base of the neck. Sure. Go ahead and make your attack roll. It's a one. <laughs> Unfortunately, with a one, that does miss. Um, anything else for your turn? You've had your movement and action. Nope. 
Um, next up, we've got the beast, um, and it's going to make uh, it's going to make three attacks against you, Maze. Two with its claws, um, and then one with its mouth. Its jaws is going to take a bite at you. With the claws, that is a that is an eight and a fourteen to hit. Um, one of them will hit. So you'll take seven points of piercing damage, which is halved because you're raging, so down to three points of piercing damage as one of these claws rakes across your chest, uh, splitting open some of the bandages uh, that uh, Jacob had uh, had wrapped there. It's also going to bite at you uh, with its massive jaws, its jagged teeth uh, clamping down on you with a 22 to hit. That will also hit. Okay. That's 14 points of piercing damage, which will be halved to seven because you're raging as its jaws clamp down on you and then rip off some flesh as they, as they tear away. Uh, next up, we've got Gavin again. And I will say that you are successfully hidden. Rising up and seeing the nightmare as it takes a bite out of Maze, Gavin will plot another dagger, take aim, and aim right for the eye. Sure. Need to hopefully obscure its vision. Go ahead and make an attack roll. 22... 22 hits. <laughs> 22 hits. Go ahead and roll damage. 19 points of damage. Sure. Uh, so you launch a dagger um, at this nightmarish creature. Um, don't manage to quite get it in the eye, but you clip it pretty hard in the ear, um, removing one of them as your dagger tears through it. Anything else you'd like to do with your turn? Hide again. Sure. Go ahead and make your stealth check. 24. 24. Uh, you feel pretty confident as you slide into the shadows uh, between a couple trees. Okay, next up is Jacob. Jacob uh, takes slight, a slight amount of time to uh, examine any weak spots on this beast, having never seen anything truly like it. Uh, are you wanting to use your turn to like investigate it, or just anything to the naked eye okay. that would be, uh, you know, catch catch his attention? Especially anything that's been chipped off or anything. Uh, sure, make a make a perception check. Eleven. Eleven. This thing seems pretty wicked. Uh, it's it's tr- it's tough to say where it's got any weak spot. Uh, there's not really much uh, of any of this creature that you'd want to touch or get anywhere near you. Um, so you're feeling pretty intimidated by the way this thing looks. Excellent. Jake will fire another arrow then. Uh, similar shot aiming for the dog head. Sure. Go ahead and make your attack roll. 16. 16 hits. Roll for damage. 11 points. 11 points of damage. As you launch another arrow at this creature, it sinks deep into one of the shoulders as its head moves unnaturally fast out of the way, but the arrow still manages to lodge itself deep into the shoulder of this creature. Next up, we've got Maze. Okay, I'm going to use the, my momentum from my missed swing earlier to come right back at it and try to hit the opposite shoulder. Sure, go ahead and make your attack roll. Eight. Eight. Unfortunately, um, the creature uh, seeing uh, seeing you swing, uh, it takes a quick step backward uh, and just narrowly avoids your blade as you swing it past. And next up, the creature is going to take a couple steps back from you and evoke an attack of opportunity. And you can see that it appears to be preparing itself for something as it does so. Go ahead and make your attack of opportunity. 14. 
14. Yes. Unfortunately, that does not hit. You swing wildly at this creature, and again, it, it evades you with its unnatural quickness. It's going to open its mouth and shoot out two jets of acid at you. Um, those being a 17 and a 21 to hit. Yes, both. Okay. So you take the first uh, the first jet of acid hits you. You take 11 points of acid damage as this sizzles into your skin. Uh, as the second bolt hits you, you take a further five points of acid damage. Uh, this not being reduced, um, not being a part of your uh, barbarian resistance, um, starts to eat through uh, the furs and leathers and even some of the, the tabard that you're wearing. Uh, and you can feel it start to bite into your skin um, and sting and burn those wounds that are, that are most recently opened. That'll be all of its turn. And as you are all fighting, you're too preoccupied to notice, but a fourth figure crashes into the clearing behind the wild creature, shouting. It says, Over here, ugly, come on, let's go. Come on, over here, this way. And that's where we'll end the adventure for now. This is your host, Daniel Storm. Thanks for listening to our very first episode of the RPG Radio Show. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, rate, and review us wherever you get your podcasts. Your kind words will go a long way toward helping others find our show. For the latest news and updates, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at RPG Radio Show. For exclusive digital content, music, maps, and much more, consider supporting us on Patreon. All your support goes to improving our show, and even the smallest amount makes a difference. Visit patreon.com slash RPG Radio Show to find out more. Thanks again for listening, and be sure to check out episodes two and three, available now.